I went to a, an LA Dodger game last night and uh, drank a forty dollar double margarita, but it was like a grapefruit margarita. The the woman who made it had no idea how to make a drink properly. Uh, so I asked her to make it a double and she looked at me like very wide eyed and was like, I'll try. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> so, so, that's, uh, that's the best response to anything when somebody just goes, I'll try. Yeah, just so scared. Um, a full, full grown woman just like probably in her 30s full-grown bartender yeah yeah uh working at at the stadium what, just what the hell constitutes a 40 dollar margarita is that just like the because yeah it's, it's just dodger that. stadium it's so. dodger stadium yeah yeah um i mean it's partially it's partially that but it was also it's like the the Huradura. uh no i'm pronouncing that terribly but it's uh yeah yeah <laughs> it's some some form of fancy uh i don't even know how to how to say it what is it the active ingredient in tequila i think it's, I think it's uh well agave is active in in tequila and then mezcal i think is like the other version of tequila i don't know for sure um i'm, I'm no expert but I was much more of an expert than this bartender. <laughs> and she was so That's amazing. Uh, and I got the strongest drink I've ever had. And I, John, you know this. I worked as I uh, was a bartender uh, for for a long time and made myself. Yeah, I mean, you've been a drinks. drinking buddy for a very long time. And uh, yeah, yeah, I would say your uh, what, what would be what I describe? I was going to say your palate is quite refined. But I guess <laughs> what I mean to say is uh, it's, it's yeah, filthy and it's been your, your palate and, is disgusting, but your liver is ironclad. And yes. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was this this drink was making me shudder every single time I took a sip of it, uh, and I'm I'm I mean I'm grateful I spent forty dollars on something that got me. Sounds like you got your money's worth. I got my money's worth absolutely. Um, uh, but did it was, you have a nice time at Dodger Stadium? Did you end up in Dodger Stadium jail? <laughs> I did not. I ended up uh, not. Thank thank. God, uh, no, no driving for me. I was, I was chauffeured around, uh, by mm. another, uh, buddy of mine whose name is John. Uh, and we, we had a blast. It was, it was several people at this, at this game. Um, two, two other Johns and a Mike. And we, we went to Dodger Stadium. It's a good where, balance right there. It's a, it a very solid balance. The two Johns were in the middle and myself and, and Mike were on the outside. So we made like a nice little John sandwich. Yeah. Um, yeah the old uh, JJMC. You know. yeah, <laughs> classic, classic. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great, great evening. Uh, it was the only sport that I got to watch this weekend though, because there was no race uh, this, this week. Uh, mm -hmm. So wait, does um, this mean that we're already podcasting? Is that oh what's God. going on here? I've, I've smoothly transitioned directly into we're the podcast. Deep, we're deep in the middle of a podcast right now. We're in it. We're in it. All right. Well, let's get let's get it officially kicked off. Welcome to the X X One Files. I did it again. <laughs> uh, welcome. Let's to, just change the name of it. Let's yeah, just we'll change just, the name of it. This uh, is, it's the X One Files. Episodes, I think that's yeah. great. 
Yeah, uh, the yeah. F1 files, folks. We are doing a podcast here about Formula One uh, and conspiracy theories, I guess. Uh, yeah, we're doing mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. a a podcast. Uh, I am one of the hosts. My name is Corey Willis. I am a comedian, improviser, and writer out here in sunny Los Angeles, California. What's up, man? This is John Lepore. I'm a futurist and a creative director designing all sorts of wacky stuff for uh, your favorite movies and technology and fast cars and all sorts of other shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, so you had a, you had a nice little sprint away, uh, in, uh, in, in the Southeastern United States, you're back on the West coast. Sounds like you, you landed with a bang straight into, you know, your, your plane landed directly in Dodger stadium. Is that how it works? Yeah. I, well, they, they allowed me, they opened up the, uh, the, the cabin door and, uh, allowed me to parachute in, uh, to uh, to mm-hmm, Dodger Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was in the middle of batting practice. Like no one was there. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't anything. <laughs> the game hadn't started. So then I had to parachute into Dodger Stadium, come back mm-hmm. to my apartment, drop all my stuff off, take a uh, shower. Oh, that's so inconvenient. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it was more convenient than going to and from LAX in my apartment. Uh, from my apartment. Mm. Uh, mm. but yeah, it was. It was. It was a good. It was a good little jaunt. Uh, back into into los angeles after spending time down in south florida uh didn't get all the way into miami unfortunately uh or fortunately i should say i I spent spent the time with my my folks and my nephew um but did see just the remnants of the grand prix weekend uh in palm beach where i was staying there is an Aston Martin and McLaren dealership right next to each other. So like, oh, there's nice. just, yeah, I know that there were, in I just imagine that the remnants of the Grand Prix weekend just meant like pressure washers everywhere. <laughs> just just yeah. pressure washing away the filth, uh, yeah, the stench, the, the shame, the, the champagne, the overly the, compounded ceremony uh, of it all. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was, I was, I was staying, uh, I was staying up there and definitely could see that. I mean, first of all, staying where I was, it was like, oh, there's no way that there were in-store appearances or at least like special trips by team members to the Aston Martin and McLaren customer stores that they have, uh, there within like an hour of, of, of the Grand Prix, um, and there was also uh, a resort out there that was holding a uh, a private dinner uh, for for Lamille, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, uh, it's like one of those random sponsors that you end up seeing. Uh, it's one of like the driver sponsors. You don't, I don't think hmm. they, you see it on the car, but uh, but um, but you like there were people who were wearing all sorts of F1 kit. Uh, you could see people wearing driver shoes, which is like, that's not, they look really, really mm-hmm. cool, but, uh, it's such like a very, it felt like a very Miami thing, uh, or South Florida thing to be like, oh, you're wearing the brightest colored shoes possible. They're not built for walking. They're built for being right. totally reclined in a car and like wrapping around pedals. Um, they are very uncomfortable to stand around in and walk around in, but, uh, but saw several people in that. Saw a bunch of hats, saw some people still rocking lanyards. 
Um, but it was, it was, it was definitely the, 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 the F1, I think the F1 culture has taken a very strong root in South Florida pre, uh, left a, left a serious stain on the Floridians. It did. Yeah. And I'd say like, uh, it, it will be that much more, uh, present once we have another grand prix in vegas too uh in in a high Mm -hmm. profile uh very entertainment very glamour and glitz oriented venue uh if 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 the remnants had made their way all the way up to palm beach which is like a pretty refined place uh by comparison to to my hemi uh it is uh, well i mean in comparison to anywhere really but it, it it really was interesting to see that like there were some uh, old rich folk up in Palm Beach who are proudly wearing uh, kit from from the previous weekend as kind of like a like mm-hmm. hey check me out. Um, it's, right. it's really it's always great. I mean, as as another F one fan, it's always cool to see in an airport or when you're not in your home yeah. area seeing someone with like a hat or a, or a bag or whatever. Um, and getting that like nod of acknowledgement from another fan. Uh, it's so cool to see that in Florida. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah. just just over a week ago, I was in Florida. Also, yeah. I was at the exact cross section of the entire United States of America, which was yes. uh, Disney World. Yes. And yep. was there was there with the fam having a having a grand old exhausting time. And uh, I saw uh, a number of people strolling around Disney World, you know, with F1 gear. I saw someone with a Lando Norris, uh, you know, proper like uh, jersey, you know, that they were rocking. I saw mm-hmm. a handful of other folks with all sorts of stuff and like tried to strike up conversation with as many of them as I could, which, you know, meant my family watched me just randomly run off to go and strike up conversation yeah. with a stranger. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and it's lovely. It's, and, and I love that it's still like this niche enough sort of thing that like, you know, it's, uh, the, you know, when I go to my local New Jersey grocery store and there's two guys in jets jerseys that see each other, like they, they almost want to like beat each other up, uh, yeah. instead of like strike up friendly conversation. But I feel like we're still very much in that state of like, Hey, you're, yeah. you're part of the secret club that I'm a part of. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there, yeah, there is that like cool, like I am not loyal to uh to i'm not loyal enough to any particular team or driver yeah like a lot of the people i saw were in 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 red bull uh and like there were some people that i saw in alpine and i'm like i'm not really fans of either of those teams right or 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 their drivers necessarily but it was great to see that and like you know, I was wearing some like some of my Mercedes gear, and also have like a, a, a just a, a an F one branded hat uh, that I got forever ago <laughs> um, uh, when I when I signed up for my F one TV account and had a nice little uh, discount. It was like, well, I'll just get some F one gear. Um, so I wore that, and, like saw someone, and like mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, exchanged a smile, um, uh, held a door uh, for for a woman in an Aston Martin hat. Uh, uh, while wearing a Mercedes hat, and she graciously uh, gave me the nod, uh, <laughs> and I graciously was like, "Yeah, I'll hold the door for you," um, which feels symbolic 
uh, in a way. I was I was thinking of you earlier today because I saw for the first time ever out on the road the Aston Martin uh, safety car, medical oh, car, whatever yeah. that that <laughs> yeah. abomination Ugh. is the the, yeah. the SUV. Yep. Uh, saw it strolling through, you know, northern Bergen County, New Jersey, as as it was effectively designed to do. That's and, literally uh, what. Yeah. yeah, it's what that's, that car was made for. Sole purpose in life was to, you know, not chase Formula One cars around a racetrack, but to basically drive to between, you know, uh, cycle bar and Whole yep. Foods. Yeah, I was going to say like some maybe uh, some and, and Pilates whatnot. class or something. And yeah, uh, hit, yeah. hit Pilates yeah. class and uh, and all of that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, so it was it was it was a nice thing to see the come down uh, on the other side of uh, uh, of the Grand Prix weekend and to feel some like sport loyalty, not just like fan and individual fandom mm-hmm. loyalty but people just like that that residual uh high of like a grand prix weekend uh it was cool to see that down there um but yeah what uh what what else did we did we have this week in uh in f1 news anything anything big or significant happen johnny so the the biggest thing that caught my attention and and I'll be honest I haven't seen that much else in our you know yeah, it's, down it's... week leading up to uh the Spanish Grand Prix but there was there was one thing which is the uh uh I guess it's the folks at the Goodwood uh yeah. Festival of Speed yep. they're hosting the uh Monaco Historic Grand Prix which is yeah. awesome I yeah, would love every, to go every, there. Yeah, yeah. One and they, day. they do it. It's for it, it. They it's over several days. It's not just like a one day event there, right? Like they have several. No, it's a, yeah. It's 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 yeah. uh, days and days of the different various vintages yeah. of uh, you know past Formula One cars. I assume there's all. I assume it's similar to the Goodwood Festival of Speed or the Goodwood Revival, and that they probably have all different kinds of motor yeah. racing that's happening on the Monaco circuit. It's basically like it's it's almost like their way of doing like a trial run for the Monaco Grand Prix. Right. Um right. uh also this this uh weird, weird little personal side note here. Uh this event is uh I have a, a loose connection to it. Uh the first movie that I ever worked on uh, designing graphics and animations for was uh, Iron Man 2. And in the film Iron Man 2, they had, I believe they had written into the script that the main character, Tony Stark, shows up at the Monaco Grand Prix, the most famous of Formula One races, and just enters himself into the race like on a whim, like is just there and is just like, I'll drive the, you know, I have my own team, of course, you know, but yeah. why don't I drive the car this this weekend or whatnot? And uh, this was during the Bernie Ecclestone days of Formula One. And Ooh. Formula One, Johnny, blatantly... you on, we got to put a pin in Bernie Eccleston because I want to talk about F1 and okay. FIA and Bernie and maybe even Max uh, a little later. Uh, yeah, but yes, thank you for all. Oh, I'm so excited to talk. Yes, about Yes, yeah, yeah. So, well, it, because it's the because it's the Bernie Ecclestone days of Formula One. He's like, what? You yeah. know, some movie about a man made of iron wants to somehow feature our sport you know in a way Mm -hmm. that could 
introduce it to an enormous global audience and like and what, people, uh, and, and people like not even a global audience, but a but a niche audience that does not in any way associate or appreciate motorsport the 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 comic book nerd community <laughs> and the movie mm-hmm. snob community and like the popcorn movie culture does not care about formula one so the fact that that was like the introduction of like an explosive new character uh and like an explosive new market and bernie was like no oh i went no what just uh yeah yeah no and that classic classic bernie he's just like well maybe if you know they you know pay us some obscene fee to participate in their in in whatever whatever you know program it is that they're making over there and whatnot and so this gigantic enormous movie starring robert downey jr instead of featuring the monaco grand prix featured Mm -hmm. the uh the the monaco historic grand prix because there wasn't you know the fia didn't have full global control over it and so it resonates for me because i made uh for that sequence in the film i uh my myself and uh my my team designed all sorts of animated like television broadcast graphics of like introducing the you know historic grand prix to try and make it seem as though it was like a major event and and whatnot um, so uh, just a uh, just a, a funny funny thing to me. Just any any time I think about that that historic Grand Prix. So awesome event, incredible. Uh, event. These ancient legendary race cars are wheeled out of you know museums, like literally the come- cars that like that histor like historic champions, like champions who who define the sport one grand prix in and have been preserved and maintained and like kept in pristine perfect literal race conditions the, these are these are immaculate artifacts of motorsport history one offs cannot be heaps of heaps of legend upon i mean i think of it as like if you were to hold an ultimate frisbee event and instead of throwing frisbees throw like picassos yeah, uh, at yeah. each other you know like that's that is what it is and it's amazing i mean it's so cool that people yes. take these cars out and they they run them on the racetrack like not to prop- mention the fact that also like in in these cars like these cars were developed a long time before mm-hmm. our modern safety standards and and whatnot and come very much from the era of uh you know look to your left look to your right uh one of those guys won't be here at the end of the season and the other guy um, will be eating through a tube by the end of this weekend <laughs> yeah like it's, right yeah yeah it's not not good so so I mean epic epic event of all events and the only the only news that I saw come out of it as many other mm-hmm. have seen is that uh Charles Leclerc <sighs> had the amazing opportunity to uh drive Nicky Lauda's yep Ferrari Formula 1 car one of the most beautiful vintage cars like objectively you can look at that car as uh, well. I mean, I I I, I say this object like objectively, like I I can be objective, but as someone who like uh, loves like 
pleasing looking car like cars that look uh from an engineering standpoint like very pleasing like purpose built this is one of those cars that somehow people who are like very focused on aesthetics uh Mm -hmm. and people who like love like raw engineering like this car is known to be like the intersection of that it is just gorgeous. It looks beautiful. It looks fast, standing still. When you think of a of a Formula One car, like this is kind of what you think of. This is it. Literally, is the color, the giant picnic bench of a of of a wing on the back, like the 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 playground slide of a of a front wing. Like it's just incredibly beautiful to look at. Uh, and oh, Charles, Charles. What have you done? I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't state enough how this is literally, you know, this is ultimate Frisbee with the Picasso. This is like doing the, the, uh, winter Olympic luge, but instead of like sitting on a luge, you're sitting on like a fabric, Babe Ruth's carcass. Yeah. Yeah. A mummified carcass of of Babe Ruth. Yeah. You're yeah. You're, uh, yeah, you're, you're doing weekend at Bernie's, but with King Tut, you know, yeah. like it's, uh, just it's, so inappropriate. And, yeah. And, and so, uh, yeah, Charles, Charles Leclerc, uh, lost, lost control of, uh, of Nikki Lauda's Formula One car, backed it into the wall. On and, uh, the, if I'm not mistaken, was it the last corner? Uh, or second to last corner. I think it was Raskas, right? Uh, so I guess that's the second to last corner uh, mm-hmm. in Monaco. So like almost completed the lap and just got on the throttle a little bit early and or or he said it, he lost the brakes or so, there was something basically. Yeah, he went backwards into the wall and like just oh absolutely <sighs> mangled the real I mean you know on, honestly like I don't think it's 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 it can not be restored that. it'll it will it'll yeah. absolutely be restored yeah. well, it'll be restored and honestly like having it thrashed by a you know potential championship candidate formula one driver might yeah. actually add to the sort of like provenance of it there's a uh, trashed by 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 uh not just Charles Leclerc, but apparently this is the same car that last year uh Jean Alesi uh apparently had uh had an issue with either last year or the, the previous year at this exact event where mm. this car was run not in anger, but like basically at almost at its limits. Uh and Jean Alesi, another <laughs> Formula One uh champion, uh he uh he wrecked it um but it was restored uh from from that as well uh i believe it was the same car it's the nikki lauda yeah it is it is it's nikki lauda's car um so that was the idea is to like show like a previous world champion with a world champions car and now Charles. it's like the torch is being passed from one ferrari world champion uh, to the next right because shumi can't be the person to do that right now so like it's yep. it has to be someone from like the previous generation um so they had john alacy driving it last year and now they had charl this year and he wrecked it uh it's i feel so bad 
I feel so bad for him. Yeah, that's that's a rough. Uh, that's a pretty pretty rough break. That's uh, and he's that's yeah. that's his home. This is the thing is like people who aren't the, familiar the Monaco, with it. The, this is the curse of Charles. He can't. Yeah, he cannot perform on that circuit. Those are literally he he grew up driving those roads walking those roads riding a scooter being pushed in like his pram on those roads like that is his home grand prix and he Mm -hmm. has wrecked every single ferrari that he's driven he has wrecked on that road every single one i've I've got i've got a few questions for you um are you are you are you a are you a fan or supporter of charles leclerc as a Formula One driver, I'd say I'm a fan. I'd say I'm I'm a I'm a fan. Um, yeah, well, yeah. It's 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 nice to nice to see him. You know, making some making some really positive moves for for Ferrari. <laughs> um, are you? Uh, do you do you find yourself uh, uh, invested in the idea of you know the Monaco Grand Prix as a as a historic as a historic race? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you? Do you do you believe that Charles Leclerc has a curse, if you will, around you know his home track of Monaco? See, this is the thing: is I don't believe in curses. I don't believe in like I'm agnostic, right? That's I I shouldn't say I I don't believe in it. It's like I've never been proven. Let Let me let me rephrase my line of questioning. Yeah. Okay. Do you take delight in that <laughs> the greatest misfortune in a the life of a modern Formula One driver living the lifestyle of a Formula One driver after being risen, you know, after after being raised yeah. in one of the most overabundantly fortunate places on earth, you know, Monaco. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you do you take any bit of glee in the idea of Charles Leclerc uh, not being able to ever make it connect on his uh, on his home turf? Yes, as as a as a comedian and as someone who appreciates the folly of man, uh, especially uh, <laughs> when someone builds themselves up to be a certain way and to have a certain image. Uh, the fall from grace is so delicious for the rest of us. Uh, it's also inconsequential, right? Like that's yeah. why it's easy to laugh at him. He's never hurt himself. He's never, uh, injured uh, a spectator, right? The only people who are put in a bad position are mechanics who this is their entire existence is to turn a wrench and to solve problems, right? Once, mm-hmm. once an accident occurs or a repair needs to be made. So they're, there truly are no victims in this, um, except for a, a literal a prince of Monaco uh, having his ego completely dashed in front of the one group of people he wishes he could have his ego stroked in front of. <laughs> are his mm-hmm. home fans, literal his like I remember seeing <laughs> last year seeing like his relatives like they would like do color commentary uh during like practice and qualifying and literally like them being like oh and you can see like that's the balcony like where all of his friends live <laughs> and, like it's like oh yeah he 
he is literally embarrassing himself in front of the one group of people he wishes he would not embarrass himself in front of anywhere else, literally anywhere else. He would be okay with having these little fuck ups, but he keeps having Mm -hmm. them in front of his family and friends on the streets that he grew up on and no one gets hurt. Right. So it's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I, not that I hope he never completes the Monaco Grand Prix, but like if he never completes the Monaco Grand Prix, that would be one of the funniest things. Uh, that would be one of the funniest things ever is if he can't complete I, one in I, Ferrari. Yeah. I, I wish him no specific ill will, but of course it of is course. just, uh, to me, it's a delightful reminder like of, uh, oh, you, you couldn't. <laughs> You couldn't win the Grand Prix in your hometown that happens yeah. to be, uh, you know, international tax haven and the, you know, one of the most fortunate places to ever have an upbringing on the entire surface of this planet yeah. that catapulted you into a playboy lifestyle of uh, racing, uh, death defying, multi million dollar toys. Uh, yeah around the globe literally uh, globe trotting um in private jets on yachts that have the branding of the company that has sponsored you and ushered you and gives you literal free hyper cars with your name on them like yeah i'm okay with someone having a little bit of uh of an ego death in front of you know, in front mm-hmm. of us on mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. annual basis. Um, I'm okay with that. Uh, again, there's no, there's no specific ill will that we're wishing on him, but there is something that is delicious about watching him repeatedly fail in the one place that he like wishes he would not ever fail. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Let alone being like, am I, am I cursed? Like he must start to think now. Uh, I know he's like a religious man and like a bit of like a, uh, like a, you know, uh, um, uh, I mean, he's, you can see him, you can tell that he's starting to believe it. Uh, there's some footage and some film, uh, and some like audio of him after he crashed where it's like, oh, he was almost expecting this. Um, yeah. Uh, which is also very funny. Uh, so what do you think? Do you think that we're going to be able to hold on to the Monaco Grand Prix? This is something that's kind of come up uh, in, in recent weeks that we haven't talked about, is the idea of the calendar being so big and some of these historic Grand Prix are now kind of on the chopping block for the first time in certainly in our lifetimes, uh, but maybe even in the history of the sport, like I know the Monaco Grand Prix specifically has never been and has never, ever been uh, up for debate. It's always been like we're racing in Monaco, mm-hmm. period. That's it. Um, what, do you, what do you think about Monaco maybe becoming uh, a, a, a once every other year or maybe even not being on the calendar consistently at all? So it's an interesting thing because I think it- – I I like this topic of discussion because I think it pits maybe two different kinds of obsessive purists mm-hmm. of the sport against each other. There's an argument to be made for 
Uh, Monaco is a tiny fishing village with narrow streets, and it is absolutely absurd for these cars to race around this track. It is almost impossible to pass on this track. It is, you know, it is the most, it is by far the lowest speed course, um, in, in the formula one season. It's not the most technical right it's not it a technical certainly track. not the most technical and just you know why would we even be doing this and then there's another argument to be made which is that it's it's a small fishing town it's precisely, and they put these insane yeah. cars on it and the track is really narrow and it's like really hard to pass yeah like it's so hard yeah. and and it's just insane like it makes no sense at all yeah and that's part of what's kind of amazing about it as yeah. well and so uh you know the i think i fall into that second camp more than than the first um yeah i mean i can't help but get a little swept up in the tradition of it and mm-hmm. the the history behind it and just use that alone as as and I, as i think we have been for the entire modern era of formula one the tradition and the history has been why we visit this course yeah every season and you know and it's always the the racing is always kind of meh yeah but there is still this you know exciting aspect of what an insane place it is to put these cars to the test and i don't know i i to me if nothing else it brings a sort of like whimsy to the to the sport and i i i certainly appreciate that there is also something to the fact that like if you listen to the drivers themselves talk about it, they do all have reverence for it, not because it is this historic thing, but because it is a notoriously difficult track to drive mm-hmm. and because it is so hard to pass on. Uh, and because these corners and these ter- it's not a purpose built, it's the least purpose-built track on the circuit right um Mm -hmm. and if you look at a driver like lewis who is historically a phenomenal driver he's won that race he's won every race on the circuit um that he's driven more than a few times right like he's won at every race at every uh at every gp i think um he will say like "Ah, i don't love monaco Right. Um, But then you'll get someone like Carlos or you'll get someone like Fernando. Right. Who's like, I love Monaco because it's hard to drive because it makes me think outside of my like racing driver's brain uh, because I have reverence for it because I grew up watching it. Right. Like there's so much nuanced like reaction to that track. But I don't think any driver would be like, mm, no, we could do without Monaco. I think they all do want to drive mm-hmm. that track. Even someone like Lewis, who's like, I don't enjoy driving that track. And it is hard for me. Uh, I I can eke out a win. But also, especially right now, I'm sure he'd be like, no, I do not want to drive that track. Uh, I don't want to mm-hmm. just be in a procession in like the middle to the back of the pack. Uh, right. And the people who are at the front of those races, they don't necessarily end up at the front of the race because the track is so nuanced and complicated that you can lap other cars three and four times on that circuit. So there's always traffic hitting on it is almost impossible because strategy does not work for the teams because it's such a small circuit because the 
chance of a safety car coming out can throw off your strategy even more. So it's like a hard track for every team to go to. It's a very difficult track for Formula One to cover, right? Uh, Formula One does not make any money on it or almost no money on it. So not Formula One, uh, the FIA uh, makes almost no money on it. Uh, and uh, I believe that the commercial rights holders uh, like the like Liberty Capital or whoever's running uh, who, who controls the purse strings also have like a very interesting sweetheart deal with the, with the city. So like they're making some money, but they're not making that much. Um, the sponsors make a ton of money because it's Monaco, right? Uh, hmm. uh, the, the promoters make a ton of money because they don't have to do any work because people will show up no matter what. That will be a sellout race no matter what. So there's very little promotion and marketing that has to be done for it. So everyone at the circuit makes money, right? But Formula One doesn't necessarily make money from it. And the FIA definitely isn't making money from it. And it's just a headache for them. So I think it's interesting that they've brought up the fact that they're willing to maybe put it on the chopping block because we have these other street circuits, right? Like we have a Baku that's easy to pass on, right? Mm. Um, That's not easy, but easier to pass on. It's much more reasonable. We have Singapore, right? Um, uh, That's also uh, a a track that kind of was brought in to replace Monaco. And then people were like, no, but we like Monaco. And I was like, but we made Singapore as a street circuit to be a fast Monaco, right? Um, Same with Jeddah. They made Jeddah as like, they're basically throwing all these streets you know, purpose-built tracks that kind of emulate Monaco a little bit as a way to be like, can we give up this historic race? Can we not do it? And everyone mm-hmm. that like matters and makes the decision, uh, uh, are they're like, no, we're going to keep it. <laughs> um, I'd like to see it stay, truthfully, uh, selfishly. I'd like to go to a race there too. So like, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I definitely want to see it stay on the calendar. Um, what about... Like spa, that's another one that's been brought up as like potentially being on the chopping block. Yeah, I, I don't see I don't see spa going away because it's it's almost the anti Monaco. Like yeah. it is for the person that is all that is the purest, all about the racing and all about the dynamics of the track. Mm-hmm. It is you know been built up as like this is. The great for the thrill of driving these cars at speed, this yeah. is the most thrilling track for the drivers, and you know, is is wildly exciting for that reason. And I guess, you know, there's maybe a world where I could see Formula One shifting away from it, but it is it, it, solely because it is, I think, in terms of an event itself in terms of how many people come out to actually attend the race in person. Yeah. It's much more casual. Um, it is, you know, uh, you spend, you know, the majority of the people that come out there are just camping in the woods. Yeah. And it's a, it's a different sort of uh, crowd or, you know, level of sophistication in terms of a formula one event. It is not one of these races that is, you know, a Miami like paddock club packed to the gills with celebrities and whatnot. It is sort of like who wants to come out to this remote region of of Belgium and see these cars do what they were built to do. Yeah. 
in the most ideal scenario. Um, yeah. But I, I think for those reasons, again, I think because of uh, honestly, even just the voice of the drivers chiming in and saying, you know, no, you can't, you can't you keep can't. us from, yeah. from, from racing at spots to, it's too exhilarating. I think there's so many other races that could be on the chopping block or that feel maybe a little less um, notable yeah. to the sport. Yeah. Or that feel I, would, redundant, I would imagine would right. Like feel like mm-hmm. other tracks. Like that's, that's definitely, which I think is kind of what was wonderful about seeing the Miami Grand Prix is that is such a unique looking track. Um, mm-hmm. I think if they put a couple of more, uh, a couple more tech pro barriers in there and maybe make some of those turns a little bit, um, maybe give like some banking in there. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some bank turns, especially because it's a, 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 a car park. I know that's going to be hard. Like they can't just like mm-hmm. create large banked features in a car park that literally is against the idea of having a parking lot. <laughs> um, so I, I know that that's a little tricky, but maybe it could be repurposed or redesigned to, hmm, cut through that stadium and maybe they could build a feature in kind of like what they do with like the what they did with the mexico city grand prix um uh, i'd like to maybe see that but there are i think there's not really a chance that we're going to lose spa because it is such a a a a track that draws in like the purists and the people who really do appreciate racing for what it is uh it is historic Right. Uh, it does have so many of those like features uh, and so many of those turns are like just epic. Right. Uh, there's no testing that gets done there. It's not really used to race many other series on, but it is a track that like people who love racing, especially geographically. Right. It's in Belgium. It's at like a perfect part in Europe for people to come from the east, from Eastern Europe or from the British Isles to come over or to come up from the Mediterranean to come and see these, these races uh, at Spa. I think it's, I hope it never goes away. Uh, again, that's selfishly. I want to go and like walk on Rouge. I would love to like mm-hmm. feel the, the steepness of that hill, uh, right? Especially on like a race weekend, not when it's like a track that has been like, discontinued um but let's uh let's talk a little bit about fia and formula one uh and uh and and bernie we haven't really talked about what the difference is between the fia and formula one like uh, i think that those terms sometimes get used uh and I'll, i'll 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 cop to it i'm guilty of it sometimes i use those terms interchangeably and they're not interchangeable terms at all do you know the history of uh of the fia and of like formula one or or is that something i because i didn't really know the history of it until i like started looking it up yeah i'll be honest i think my my best understanding of it is you know formula one is the sport fia is the governing body fia does oversee other high level motorsports you know there's a endurance uh series that the fia oversees uh i believe the fia oversees the world rally championship as well um but but drop some drop some knowledge on me so i mean this is i mean this is all 
in Wikipedia, uh, and and just um, also from like the FIA website itself. Uh, but basically, the FIA has 246 member groups, so it oversees 246 uh, different like at different, and these are like amateur on up to Formula One, right? Uh, like it just oversees all of uh basically like four-wheel motorsport there is uh an fim which is for like moto gp and handles two-wheeled stuff but this specifically handles like car racing and not just single seater uh it handles like you said the endurance stuff it handles Mm -hmm. the 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 world rally uh federation right and it can even go all the way down to handle um uh, to overseeing and being like a governing body of go-karting so like it really runs the gamut uh and it it basically allows these like local countries to create their own governing bodies within it. But it's like the sport uh, compact car, uh, like, like those are like subgroups of the FIA and they all kind Mm -hmm. of refer to FIA uh, governance and rules so that they can have the safest possible racing. Uh, So they kind of handle like the safety aspects of it and the technical aspects of it. So like what classifications what motors can be used in what racing series, uh, what, like what the specifics of the tire allocation, right. Uh, what drivers, what license levels they have to be at. Uh, so it really is this overarching umbrella governing body that just is like only really looked at as like, Oh, this is like they run formula one. Um, but they run so many other things. So when, uh, when this, this new, uh, when Ben Solomon, the, the new president came in, uh, we're like starting to see the effects of someone who is now coming in to oversee the entire governing body. Uh, we're seeing them kind of like put their thumbprint on it, which is why you're seeing regulations, scrutinized a little bit more like you're seeing like jewelry and underpants right uh being scrutinized which i think it's funny i think it's a little bit cheeky important stuff yeah but it really is like critically important stuff um like i was I, i i the idea that if if lewis was like let's say uh uh the uh a much worse outcome happened when him and max collided right and uh and when when max ended up on top of lewis his tire literally ended up on lewis's helmet like there's like literal rubber streaks um from where max was continuing to try to reverse and go forward and the tire was making contact with lewis's head underneath him so if like that tire was a little bit lower and there was massive head trauma to lewis they would have needed to put him through an mri now lewis has earrings and a nose ring Metal cannot go in an Mm -hmm. MRI and God forbid actual blunt force trauma happened and bits and pieces of that earring were then sent throughout his skull. They can't MRI him. So I I fully understand why there are real reasons and it is a real safety concern. Right. Um, And Lewis's like response of uh, uh, I've gotten an exemption my whole career. I'll just keep getting exemptions for the rest of my races. Sure. Mm -hmm. But that is fully rolling the dice. Like he's been rolling the dice up until now. And this is a, 
kind of should be a like, okay, I get it. It's kind of goes back to that like Charles thing of like, I'm sorry, you are a professional racing driver. Take your fucking earrings and nose ring out, right? Um, same with like Sebastian being like, I'm going to wear my underwear on the outside of my racing suit because my underwear can't touch my 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 skin because it's synthetic. And it's like, hey, Roman Grosjean just was in a fireball last season. And yeah. I'll tell you what, if his underwear melted to his balls and I bet we'd all be going, hey, Seb, that's like, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> yep. so like, let's. Yeah, you know, there's there's I, a point at which the astronauts should be taking the advice of the NASA engineers. Yeah, right. And like, I, I get it. I get it that it is like, are you really going to scrutinize this? Are you really going to focus on this? And like, maybe it does feel targeted at Lewis. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, you're the only dude who wears like a nose ring. So yeah, it's targeted at you. I'm sorry. Uh, don't put a target on your back if you don't want to be targeted uh as as a black man um also as like lewis like i know he's been a black man in white spaces like dude (laughs) you know not to put a target on your back like if you want to put a target on your back Mm. by all means but then don't complain once someone goes hey buddy i'm targeting you because you put a target on your back um you know, and I, I get it. I get it. It feels like it's like I'm driving this rocket ship around. Like you're going to worry about a nose ring. It's like it's in a regulation, dude. Just follow the regulation. Um, I get that you don't want to have Angela take it out of your nose every time you get and put your racing helmet on. But she's your trainer and she's your physio. She's got to do it, right? Give her a pay bump if like, you really have that much of a problem with her or if she has a problem with it or hire someone else who can do it or figure out how to take out your own nose ring, right? That was also the other thing is like, he can't take it out on his own. I'm sorry, you can't take out your own nose ring? That's an interesting thing. Yeah, um, that's... Uh, so uh, I, I get it. I get it. But the FIA is there and the new president is there to reinforce these rules and to kind of uh, shore them up and make sure everyone is being held to the same standards. I think that that is a reasonable thing. Um, now, yeah, I was going to say, Corey, these are these are like the kindest things I think I've ever heard you say about the governing body of the sport. Yeah, that said, um, there was a huge split, uh, especially last year. Uh, one of the reasons why we have uh, why there is a new uh, president, right? Because uh, uh, Jean Todd was like this, like you know, kind of affable, lovable, you know, uh, 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 looked great on on Michelle Yeoh's uh, arm uh, as as arm candy, right? Um, uh, but like he wasn't. He was a little. He's Jean Todd. He's French. He's uh, it's a it's a governing body that was created and maintained out of Paris, France, right? He was a pretty. He's operating in a laissez-faire way with some of these regulations. And now we have uh, someone who is not French, who is coming in, who's showing up and going, hey, you guys made rules. We should all talk about them. But the reason why this is happening is because the FIA screwed up so royally and constantly screws up so much uh, and makes the life and efforts of these race racing drivers and teams they make it so difficult um they make it almost impossible for formula one to execute 
their uh, <laughs> their wants and needs, which are to just have Grand Prix every single weekend and be consistent. When you've got a governing body like the FIA that comes in and like tut tuts their fingers at your drivers, and then your drivers go to you and go, "Hey, can you kind of like back us up?" Um, then you've got like Stefano Domenicali, who's been running the uh, who's running Formula Run right now, and he is much more of like a driver's uh, manager, right? Like he ran Ferrari. He like is like a purist in the sport. He loves allowing racing drivers the ability to go racing. So the fact that Formula One uh, and the FIA are like maybe now going to be uh, at odds with each other uh, is like hearkening back to the Bernie era. Uh, of like Bernie Eccleston being this like billionaire tyrant who uh, mm -hmm. was like my way or the highway and made every single driver's uh, life a living hell uh, and made it impossible for them to exploit their ability and their charisma. Uh, he reined things in so much like he wasn't, a, he didn't allow cameras in the paddock, right? Uh, the fact that Netflix is allowed to do a documentary series, like if Bernie Eccleston was still in charge, there's no way that would be allowed. He wouldn't even allow drivers to have social media accounts. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's no way he would allow for a documentary series to come in. Uh, so there's this like weird like shift now that like the FIA is like trying to be altruistic. Uh, is that, is that how you see it, John? Or, or what do you, what's your interpretation of, of this new kind of like scrutinizing or like the shift in tone from the FIA? I, you know, I, I think it's like you say, it's, uh, any, any leader wants to have an opportunity to kind of put their mark on things, make a little impact, feel as though they're, they're driving an influence on the sport. And I'm not going to say whether it's good or bad. Like it's a lot of this stuff I think goes far beyond my like you know armchair analysis of mm. of what's going down like there's there's a lot of complex things at play here in the sport um i think in in general i'm still uh, very bullish on the sort of like you know americanization or the liberty mediafication of the sport as a, yeah. as a positive thing in the grand scheme of things. Um, I think it's, you know, uh, as we talked about last weekend, I think we're going to see some areas where it goes, it goes a little too far and there will be corrections that I'm sure will be made and balances that'll be brought in. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very, very happy that we're far out of the Bernie Ecclestone era, uh, yeah. which I think was, was disastrous, um, you know, for the fans, I think, mm -hmm. it was, I think it was just bad for the fans. Uh, it was bad for the growth of the sport and it was the worst for anyone within the sport trying to do business with this sport for, right. um, the prospect of the, uh, you know, Grand Prix that was going to be held in the New York, New Jersey area, um, the yeah. fact that, uh, circuit of the Americas almost didn't happen multiple times because of Bernie just, you know, playing Trumpish games around deal making and, yeah. and whatnot. 
Yeah, I'd say and that's so, actually. I think that's a great comparison. Uh, as like Bernie Eccleston definitely had that like Trump, like Trump esque uh, approach to running Formula One like a business, despite the employees, despite the people who were saying, but "Hey." Not just- I, I not even I don't even think it's running Formula One like a business. I mean, Formula One is going to be run like a business. It was like yeah. business as sport, where the only way to win is by humiliating the people on the other end of the deal. Yeah, and we saw things happen like you know numerous uh, races and you know longstanding relationships go into jeopardy solely because. Bernie just loved to play these games of like, you know, pushing promoters, pushing local municipalities as far as he possibly could. Yeah. And when he could push them no further, would just say, well, screw you, you're out, you know, we're we're not going to do business with you anymore. And it was, it, it to me, it's just, it's just bizarre. And I think there's some in the business world that, you know, in a, in a Trumpy sort of way, idolize that. Yeah. And see that as like that is the holy grail of of making deals. But I think uh it doesn't take uh more than like a fifth grade education to understand that like good business is when people on both sides of the deal are happy. Right. And that was kind of the way that it was set up where we had Bernie running Formula One and then Max Mosley running uh the FIA and like both of those two people did not care about the drivers or the fans. Like they only compared mm-hmm. about the vested interests of the bodies that they were the head of, right? And like their shareholders, which is like the shareholders, I get that they're the people who put the money into the system and allow the rates, uh, the races and the 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 race weekends and the events and the the commercial rights to exist. If you have no consumer on the other side of that then like what's the point of having a product right so like yeah what are you doing any of it for yeah so it's this it's this uh, it's like the violation of that social contract of like hey if you're selling me a thing like you can't be an asshole to me while you're selling it like don't do that or else i'll just go somewhere else right and i think that is what we saw in the mid-2000s in formula one is like a lot of people were like okay, we don't want to work with you. Fine. We just won't work with you. And the sport uh, suffered as a result of that. Uh, And definitely the fans suffered as a result of that. I think you and I Mm -hmm. uh, are, uh, again, this is like, you know, very selfishly, but like, this is our podcast. So like, it's through our point of view. Like we would have loved to when Johnny, I remember when like the rumors of the potential that there was going to be a Grand Prix in what is now effectively your backyard but it was our like mm-hmm. in essence our backyard prior to that uh we had to yeah. you know like we had to drive to canada to go see a grand prix which is fine but like it would have been so cool to drive two hours south and end up watching a grand prix with new york city in the background like not yeah. only for us but like, to, to crack to crash that. out at my at my sister's house which was like a walking distance from where the, 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 the track, track like, would be running. It know, was, yeah. it was such a, it's such a boneheaded move for Bernie to have taken that off the table for fans. Like 
I'm I'm grateful for the the the, the rise of success in in Formula One uh, as a sport here in the U.S. But I think we missed out on so much because Bernie was such a stick in the mud and was such like he was such a blow. Well, I think I I think the good news is, is that the Bernie era set a precedent for liberty to to step yes. in and basically look and be like, oh, well, okay, yeah. how do we unBernie you know as much of this as possible. And, even if you like look at you could not have two like more like opposite people when you look at like who is running formula one now so you've got like bernie eccleston and his like literal like the his his title is a british business magnate and like you look at the picture uh that like is right here on wikipedia and he's just this like gross like just he's like, Mr. Burns. He's Mr. Burns, right? Like he's wearing like tra- and I I have transitioned sunglasses as well, so I can't really like make uh make fun of him too oh, hard. It's disgusting. But I'm so disappointed. I know, I know, it's ridiculous. I know. Uh, whatever. Um. Uh. <laughs> he's got transition sunglasses on, like wispy gray hair, uh, and he's on like a block Nokia cell phone. Uh, and then you see the picture of Chase Carey, who now runs, uh, who runs like literal Formula One, like he runs the Formula One group and he's got this big bushy mustache and he's boy, he's like an Irish born American businessman. Uh, and you see like his like image and he's like holding a microphone, clearly like kind of half chuckling, giving like a response to something mm-hmm. uh, in a in a press conference. And then the other one is like a telephoto lens of Bernie Eccleston conducting uh, a business transaction uh, where he's probably calling someone a racial slur, right? Like you can just feel it from like one side. Yep. And then now we have this like wonderful, warm uh, a company that is trying and it's still a capitalist company it's still like a, a, a gross financial machine that yeah, probably I mean, don't, don't don't get it twisted formula one is a business yeah. above all else yeah. uh, but at least they put like a warm face on it and not a literal british business magnate right like come on guys uh, if you want to make the sport more appealing uh then you can't put uh, mr burns as the guy who like is selling it to us uh but yeah uh, um so that's uh, that that's that's all i really wanted to i know we 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 went down the rabbit hole a little bit here with with f1 and 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 birdie and the fia oh hello we have a visitor we have a visitor on the pod oh that's okay johnny unmute it where where's it's all, it's all good uh my my little man was just snatching up one of his uh one of his number blocks Ah, important to bring back into his collection. Yeah, that's important. I love I it. Yeah, these these <laughs> these these noise canceling headphones allowed him to get the drop on me real good. <laughs> I didn't even notice him creeping up until he was like a foot and a half away from me. Like, what? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, true jump scare moment. Uh, all right. Well, Johnny, I am excited for Barcelona. Uh, I'm I'm really excited. To, to see these these races um, going forward in the European circuit. I'm especially excited, and I think that uh, to, to just real quick touch on, on Mercedes, they are going to finally get a chance to correlate the data on track with their now new car. So the previous uh, testing that they did was with the, the, the first iteration 
of the Mercedes. And now they're going to literally get to see what this new non-pod Mercedes looks like on track versus what the original design. Uh, and Toto was quoted as saying, we are now, we have not taken it off the table. We haven't taken off, uh, we haven't taken off going back to that original design. We haven't taken that off the table. Uh, but now after Barcelona, we'll have real data and we probably, they'll probably stick with the non-pod, right? Uh, I'm guessing. However, if they get data that says, hey, you guys went the wrong direction, they'll change it. They will go back. Mm-hmm. That is something that he yeah. openly- Do whatever it takes. Yeah. 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 Um, also, this past weekend, they did not know why they performed well on Friday. They don't know why that. <sighs> yeah. So that was that's a problem. Those and the uh, performance upgrades were not designed to eliminate the porpoising, but somehow they sort of did on that first day. So that was something that they also said in the debrief. They were like, those performance upgrades were performance upgrades. They were not meant to deal with the bouncing. So we're still sorting that. So not the best news going into Barcelona, uh, but... It did. We did see a performance upgrade. We did see uh, an increase in maneuverability and handleability in the Mercedes. So I think that hopefully we'll go into Barcelona seeing something uh, promising um, in that first day. But there was that like gray cloud after watching that debrief. I was like, oh no, that's uh oh, that's not. Yeah, good. that's that's not good. <laughs> You did good, but you don't know why you did good. Yeah. That's that's literally like... Yeah, I was getting a little optimistic. You know, I was starting to get a little like, all right, you know, yeah. maybe a few more races, a few more tweaks, a couple more adjustments. And uh, I, I, would, I would still like to think that if they can get the car into a place where the drivers feel confident in it, yeah. that there could be a big turnaround, but... Yeah, I'm afraid we're a few more races away from that, if even at all. I think so too. And also after this, after Barcelona, we will see if they get data that says that their car is not performing where they need to, then it's like back to square one, which is not good because now the other teams have what six race weekends worth of uh, development and data. Uh, um, I mean, it's astounding how with the best of resources the absolute best of resources you can still get caught out in this sport yep pretty pretty amazing that said ferrari is bringing their first round of updates to barcelona they have not done any updates on that car and are still heading up the championships that is scary Ferrari is yeah. a we may see that's Ferrari. intimidating. Yeah, Red Bull Red Bull seems as though they've caught up, but Red Bull has been developing their car this whole time, as has the rest of the field. Ferrari has not. So we will see these mm-hmm. updates and we may see a Ferrari that is just uncatchable going forward. Truly. Um it's already right there. If Red Bull slips up with reliability, then they won't win a race. But if Ferrari mm-hmm. now will no longer be 10, what is it, like 10 kilometers per hour slower in the straights, if Ferrari brings an update that they bump up quicker than Red Bull, that's it. That's it. Um, Red Bull 
whatever Red Bull, whatever successes they had were, are going to be basically muted for the rest of the season if Ferrari shows up big uh. this weekend. Yeah. So we will see. Um, uh, Charles may have like one of the most beautiful redemption arcs ever after that uh, shunt with Nikki's Ferrari. Uh, we, we may see him run away with the championship. Yeah, but, the, but in yeah, but a but a week after uh, Barcelona, we're back in Monaco. Yes, and I'm sure that he'll. Uh, I'm mm. sure that he'll stub his Gucci slippered toe on. Yeah. Uh, gold doubloon that you know was just sticking up out of the <laughs> stack of i don't know the stack of gold doubloons he was walking yeah, across yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the stack of gold doubloons that normally lays flush uh on his um yes. uh, kitchen yeah. floor um his second kitchen floor his house probably has two kitchens uh yeah. i remember one of okay just to get out of here on this uh i remember when uh when ferrari delivered one of uh their uh one of their cars to Charles for his birthday uh in Monaco and like one of his first responses was I don't know how I'm going to fit this in my garage. I don't have space for it. And was like, <sighs> okay, okay, I don't know what to do with that information. Um Yeah. Congratulations on getting a birthday yeah. present from Ferrari that you can't fit in your garage in Monaco. Poor baby. Uh, so yeah, uh, um, love you, Charles. But uh, I do hope that you have like. I mean, pr- props to Charles Leclerc for having all of these things that we've been bringing up as like his like the way you could think of him. We don't think of him that way. We we yeah. really don't. We yeah. he does seem like a. a a fresh face in the sport and someone who's coming up and trying to do some new and exciting things and doesn't seem to be covered with the gross glaze of, you know, uh, privilege and, and whatnot just immediately from the onset, but yeah. Or generational wealth, which is what he has. And he's, he is a, he, his, his brother is also, you know, um, well, I mean, I guess I I think that's also, it's, it's almost entirely par for the course in the, in the sport. Anyway, you, anyway, you look at it. Yeah. Uh, so on, on that uplifting note, (laughs) rich pricks driving around in there. Fancy that they didn't even have to buy oh, or pay for sports cars and gifted the, yeah, to them by their room bosses. in that room in the garage, supermodel <sighs> girlfriends and whatnot. Oh. Mm. Jesus ah, Christ. So, uh, yeah, what, uh, what, what do we think the stock value of F1, uh, is this week? Uh, especially, especially with Charles, uh, somehow figuring out a way to make news about crashing a Ferrari, on a race weekend that did not exist. Um, uh, what, what do you think the stock is at? Where, where do we think we're higher, lower, or we, we, we stay inconsistent? I think the, uh, the stock is going up. Mm-hmm. Um, ESPN announced that the Miami grand prix had a average of 2.6 million American viewers, um that's which great. is a, a really that's really big deal great. for them a live um, tv event that those are numbers that will get f1 secured on an espn broadcast for the next season that's great so that's a that's oh. big time record breaking i think they said uh 
their previous record was in like 1995 yeah. for the Brazilian Grand Prix, which would have been the final race of the season. Yep. Um, so, you know, big, big, big. That's uh, nuts. Big ratings coming in. You know, it's 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 a buzz and i'm i'm i am seeing it in anecdotally in my day-to-day life i am running into random folks who are like oh yeah they were they were doing something where where were they racing they were in miami you know and it's oh it's, I, uh it's it it's it's to the point of where i am it i'm overhearing people talk about f1 races in the same way that i overhear people talking about basketball, football, and baseball games. And I never, ever thought that I would see or hear that in the U.S. And it's not just, I mean, it's its here uh, in Los Angeles. I've traveled over the past week. I was in uh, Atlanta and also in Dallas and, and Florida as well. And everywhere I went, I mm-hmm. literally was hearing or seeing people with uh, Formula One merchandise or talking to other people about it. I've literally heard people talking to people on the phone walking by being like, oh yeah, yep. it's this thing. And like, I, it, it's, it's blowing my mind, uh, especially with it happening over the course of a week, like seeing the tonal shift in this country in one week, uh, it has been incredible. It's been mind blowing. So I think we're in, mm-hmm. I, I also think that the stock is not only increasing, but it is increasing at a pretty consistent rate. Uh, people I'm talking to in my own life are like, Oh yeah, that's really cool. Oh, you're really, you're into formula one. Oh, did you just get into it? Like, and it's like, no, mm-hmm. I've been into it for a while. That's awesome that you're getting into it. Like, it's not this thing where people feel excluded or like they don't have a place in. And that is, right. that's also a shift in tone is being like, there's this new thing, but I don't know. It seems kind of ridiculous. Like people are like, it's this thing. I didn't realize it's been around. This is so cool. Right. So I think yep. we're doing well. Uh, all right. Well, I'd say that's about it. Where, uh, where can the folks find you online, Johnny? All right. You can hit me up anytime on Twitter where you'll find me as uh, at Johnny motion. Mm. Corey, where can the folks find you out there in the world? Oh, get at me. I am burn Corey burn on all the social medias. Uh, and then we also do have the F one files on Twitter and on Reddit. So, uh, come check us out there. Um, and, uh, folks, we're going to catch up with you next time on these F one files. That's right. I said F one files, not X one files, but also X one files. Yep. Yep. <laughs>